Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me on the Fox Sports app and at foxsports.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and threads at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places. But there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA. And that is here. I feel like I've done this a lot lately, apologizing for how long it is between episodes. In this case, I will will apologize again. Part of it is I had some other projects that took priority projects that had deadlines that I had to get done. And I really do this podcast of my own volition. I don't have to answer to anybody. So when somebody else, when I owe somebody else one of the other powers that pay me uh, something, that takes precedent for getting it done. And that was the case. And I had a really big one of those, which I'll share more with you later uh, once it has moved far enough down the tracks. Something I'm very excited about. And I look forward to to sharing it with you. But I just can't right now. In any case, the other part I found, and I think I've known this before, but because almost two weeks has lapsed and I've been watching a lot of NBA games, in large part because there's so many storylines that I'm curious about, so many teams that I'm really trying to get a handle on from based on what I've heard from from my sources in the league to what my expectations were to now what we're really seeing happening on the court. And what I found is that is a moving target. So much shifts from night to night. I'm learning so much from night to night. And as you know, when I put out one of these episodes, I don't like to just do the cursory. I hear this with a lot of podcasts, just the snap take, the reaction off the top. Uh, the surfacey type of stuff. I try to give you something that a week from now, two weeks from now, a couple months from now is still going to be relevant or insightful and doesn't sound dated. And because of all of the information coming in the last week or so, it's been difficult to kind of pinpoint that. So those are the two big reasons why you haven't heard from me until now. And to catch up, I'm going to do an early review 
of my over-under choices on win totals, which I gave you in the last episode, which was right before the season started. And now that we're a half dozen games or so into the season, I think it's time to take a look at, at those. Now, full disclaimer, I'm not ready to change my mind on any of them. And the mass, vast majority I actually feel really good about. But there are a few that have me watching to see if I missed something. Uh, so let's start with the ones that I feel great about. I feel great about telling you to take the over on the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Golden State Warriors, the Denver Nuggets, and yes, even the Detroit Pistons, who last I checked, I think might might, might be in last place at 2-7. and seven. Still feel good about them. Sacramento Kings, I'm going to take the fact that De'Aaron Fox has missed a lot of time and how important he is as the big reason for their slow start. But I'm, I'm keeping an eye on them. After the first week or so, the team that really had me concerned about suggesting the over were the Portland Trailblazers. Now, I recognize that they have a whole slew of new pieces, but that was still no excuse for how disorganized they looked. I was beginning to think either their young players are superb athletes that don't know how to ratchet back that athleticism in order to execute, or Chauncey Billups isn't built to be a teacher and rebuilder of a team. That maybe he's one of those coaches, at this time in his career at least, where he's better suited to handle vets. And let's not forget, he was hired when they still had Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum, Norm Powell, and Josh Hart. Those are some immensely high IQ vets. Now, they weren't together or available very long that first season for Chauncey, but establishing a style of play and a way of doing things helps when you have walking and talking examples in the locker room. Well, the casual fan might be wondering, okay, wait a minute, what's so complicated? What's so hard about teaching players, young players, how a play is supposed to be run? If you're a good coach, shouldn't you be able to do that? Don't college coaches have to do that just about every year? Well, there's so much more to playing the game at the NBA level than at college or any other level high school, etc., which I get the sense that some fans view the NBA game or how the NBA game should work based on their experience at those levels. They're just different. In the NBA, there are a hundred variables and nuances to every play, and vets react to them instinctively. Young guys either react to them instinctively and react incorrectly or they pause to think about what they should do and then that pause invariably kills the play. And all an NBA opponent needs is one guy doing the wrong thing to exploit a defense or derail an offense. That's why I used to be a huge college basketball fan. My Originally, my dream was to be one of the national college basketball writers and just travel the country covering the top teams, the NCAA tournament, all of that. And then I covered the NBA. I was a beat writer and I saw the NBA on a regular basis and I could not go back because in an NBA game on a particular play, defense or on offense, 
if one guy makes a mistake, if one guy is just a step slow, if one guy is in the wrong position, if the one guy doesn't recognize what they're doing, it blows up the play and it is so obvious. Or maybe it doesn't blow up the play, but it is obvious who was out of sync. In a college game, there are two or three guys who are a little discombobulated, even on the best teams, on any given possession or defensive set. It's just part of it. And it makes it exciting, and it means why (laughs) the college game is so unpredictable. But once you've seen it played in a precise way, it's really hard to go back and love seeing it in such an imprecise way. At least it was for me. So even though the NBA game is simpler than it has ever been, it still requires everyone to be on the same page, executing their particular part. And so if you have a handful of guys who are all learning the variables and nuances at the same time, and there is no established system with vets who have run it, there isn't a coach alive who could plug all the leaks in an NBA game, which I suspect is what was happening, especially with the Blazers early on. I Every time I tune into them, I swear, every time I tune into them, at some point, the cameras catch Chauncey on the sidelines talking to Shaden Sharp about something that clearly Shaden does not understand or did wrong, and Chauncey has this kind of exasperated look on his face as he explains, no, you were supposed to be here. You were supposed to cut like this. And Shaden clearly is trying to grasp what it is that Chauncey's saying. I give Chauncey credit for the way he's delivering it and the fact that he's addressing it. And he's addressing it, obviously, right away. And I'm good with Shaden trying to figure out what it is that he's doing wrong. In any case, that's why I'm going to give Chauncey and the Blazers 20 to 25 games before I revise my opinion about whether he's the right coach for this crew and how good the Blazers can actually be. There are enough solid, talented vets on that roster. Malcolm Brogdon, Jeremy Grant, Robert Williams, Matisse Thybul, DeAndre Ayton, and Anthony Simons whenever he gets back from his thumb surgery, that if Billups knows how to build a system, they should be able to execute it. And for those who might be questioning, well, wait a minute, Simons, Ayton, Williams, those are vets? Look, they all have five years in the league at this point. That's not savvy vet territory, but they are certainly not newbies. They know how the league works and what they do best in it. Now, I always saw Matisse Thibel, for example, who's entering his fifth season, as a serviceable 3 and D guy. But early on, he, he looked absolutely lost in Portland. I also thought Aiton would at least match what he did in Phoenix, but he was missing in action early on as well. I've seen improvement from both of those guys. So, good sign. And then rookie Scoot Henderson, who had I had fairly big expectations of, he had more turnovers than assists and missed 11 of his 12 three-point attempts through the first three games, and I could not help but feel that they were force-feeding him a role on this team that they've now pulled back on. And since that rough first week or so, I've seen Billups leaning a little more heavily on his vets. And, not surprisingly, the tide has shifted. After opening the season with three straight losses, 
They won three straight before giving the Grizzlies their first win of the season. I still have the Blazers pegged as winning about the same number of games that they did last year, which was 30-35. to They had 33 wins last year. I expect them to win somewhere in the 30-35 to range. That's comfortably over the mark that most odds makers set for win total of 28.5. I saw 27.5 some places. 28.5 is probably where it, where it settled. They can clear that. They should clear it easily. I'm still sticking with that. Now, two teams that have impressed me the most so far are the Warriors and the Dallas Mavericks. And with the Warriors, it's the power of their culture. Maybe more accurately, the power of the bond between Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and Klay Thompson. It's the power of belief, and it appears to be contagious. I watched them win back-to-back games by scoring the winning basket with 0.2 seconds left on the clock. They beat a good Sacramento Kings team with the first one and a good Orlando Magic team with the second. Thompson hitting a pull-up jumper against the Kings and Curry floating a layup off the glass against the Magic. I'm watching new additions like Dario Saric buying into the system and enthusiastically doing the dirty work. I'm seeing Chris Paul accept a complimentary role and finding ways to get Jonathan Kaminga good looks and passing the ball ahead and doing his best defensively. I'm seeing both of them being celebrated by the stars being made to feel good for joining the cause and the sacrifices that they're making. I'm even hearing Steve Kerr go out of his way to absolve Jordan Poole for his part in last year's shortcomings. Even though the camaraderie of the current crew and the wacky barnyard carnival that is the Washington Wizards serves as all the proof necessary that they made the right move. And that Jordan certainly was a deterrent to them coming together last year. Now, why why would Kerr talking about Jordan that way, why would that be a point in the favor of the Warriors' chemistry? But don't forget, don't forget that what the Warriors were really upset about wasn't that Draymond Green punched Jordan Poole. It was that it got out, that the video was out there. Because there's two parts, and the Warriors know this very well having been together the way they have and done what they've done and being led by guys like Steve Kerr, who's been on multiple championship teams, had been on multiple championship teams before he got to the Warriors. And it's this. There are two parts to when something troubling happens within the course of, within a team. Number one is, can you address it without the outside world becoming aware of it because once it gets out publicly now it becomes a much bigger thing it's now it's it's on the talk shows now fans are talking about it now it's something that uh, is is a focus and therefore thereby not a focus on what's most important it's a focus on something that is wrong with the team 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And that's awfully hard to corral once it becomes fodder for people out there. So the first key is, can you keep it in-house? But that's not enough. Some people think that's enough. Like if we just, and some teams think this way. Like as long as we, as long as nobody finds out about it, we're okay. No, that's just one part. The second part is, now you have to address it. Now you have to fix it. Now you have to take it on head on within the team and make it right. The Warriors tried to do that part, but because it got out, I'm convinced because it got out, that killed any possibility of them making it right. Jordan just was not going to get over that. I don't know. Maybe he never would have. Maybe they, they couldn't have said it right. But once it became public, the chances of, of that happening simply were impossible. Bottom line is, Steve Kerr is reminding everyone about how this works. And, and... Don't put all of our issues from last year on Jordan Poole. As if Jordan being gone means that we now are back to being a championship level team. There's other work that needs to be done. <clears throat> and he's not just doing, saying that for effect. That's the reality. It's like he was, he was part of the problem last year. But he wasn't the entire problem last year. And that's as much a signal to Draymond Green about what needs to be ha- needs to happen and how they need to operate going forward. I will say the Wizards what with Poole in the first year of a four-year 128 million dollar deal and the way he's conducted himself to this point have to be thinking, "Oh my, what did we get ourselves into?" He's I shacked in a fool. I think he's he's already been on their once if not twice and has won at some of just the ridiculous things that he's doing on on the court and those matter especially with a team not, with a less than established head coach and a lot of other youth on that team it's not and Jordan Poole coming in with that contract with a ring you don't want that guy setting the tone for your team or if he is, you certainly want him setting a different tone than the one he has set to this point. Now, the team I'm most intrigued by, even more so than the Warriors, because I think I know who the Warriors are and why they are what they are and why it's working the way that it is. I don't quite know that about the Dallas Mavericks. I went into the season thinking, Grant Williams, that's it? That's your improvement? A younger version of P.J. Tucker is your answer to last year's 24th-ranked defense and late-season collapse. That ain't enough. Now, what I did not consider was the value of moving off of a a couple of players that they had to play, either because of their salaries or their talent 
that they needed something and there was nowhere else to look and they were hoping these players could provide it. And that in the big picture, the negatives that they were on the overall energy and cohesion of the team and how different they could be if you removed those guys and you replaced them with a guy like Grant Williams. And I'm talking about Davies Bertans and Christian Wood. Bertans is now rooted to the bench in Oklahoma City. Wood, of course, was a last-minute addition for the Lakers. His role, at least initially, squeezed down to what it should have been, which is coming off the bench, rebounding, serving as a stretch four or five on offense. He's now having to play a bigger role, or has with AD being out, but one of the reasons why they got run by the Rockets. Not a substitute for what AD is, by any stretch. Also, aside from Grant Williams, uh, Derek Jones Jr., a journeyman defensive specialist who signed a one-year minimum hoping to prove he deserves to stay in the league. He is playing with the desperation of someone trying to do that. And that is a quite, that's quite a different mindset than Bertans or Wood had last season. Bertans has been paid. Wood, Wood was trying to prove that, I don't know if he was Kristaps Porzingis, he was... He was Carl uh, Anthony Towns. He thought he was supposed to be the second best player to Luca and get shots and be treated offensively that way when that's not what they needed. The Mavs also have found their Clint Capella slash Nick Claxton. And I would think that that's kind of what they hoped Wood would be to an extent, maybe a, a more offensively gifted version, but that he was going to be a shot blocker, that he was going to be a, a, a rim runner and roller. And he was not any of that. The D Dallas Mavericks have that now in rookie Derek Lively, the number 12 pick taken off the Thunder in exchange for Bretons and Cason Wallace. Now, the biggest improvement, though, might just be in what the Mavs' two stars, Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving, are doing. Doncic isn't just leading the league in scoring. He's doing it with arguably the most efficiency of his career, particularly from long distance. He's a career 34% three-point shooter, and last I checked, he was shooting at a 40% clip. That's a significant difference for as many threes as he takes. He looks in shape. He looks refreshed. And I don't know what he did over the summer, but it appears to have put last season's faceplant firmly behind him. And after dismissing his chance of making good on being the preseason favorite to win league MVP the last three years, this is the first time I think there's actually a possibility of it happening. Now, the Mavs are going to have to win enough games for him to finally land the honor, and that could be a challenge with the way Jokic and the Nuggets are playing in particular. But don't undersell the power of that new car smell along with a number of media members who have been touting and yearning for Luca to finally make good on what I would label their premature evaluation of him. I found it interesting. Somebody mentioned to me today that, uh, that ESPN apparently had done some poll where they picked the top 25 players under 25 years old, and, and they had Victor Wembanyama as actually number two and Luca as number one. And to me, that's exactly this. That's exactly what I'm talking about, is 
we've got a large faction in the media who believe and have been touting Luca as being this otherworldly player. Don't get me wrong. He is a great player. And I think he's going to be a league MVP. I think he's capable of leading a team to a championship. But he's he's not everything. He's not all world. I I would bet on Wembenyama before I would bet on Jokic. Cuz Wembenyama can play more than one speed. Wembenyama can impact the game at both ends of the floor. Luka cannot. Or at least he hasn't. And I don't think he's built to do it in quite the same way that Wembenyama has. All that said, this is the best so far this season. Early on, this is the best I've seen Luka play. And again, the media has been chomping at the bit to have their, what I consider a premature evaluation, to have it validated. So don't dismiss the possibility of him winning, even if the Mavs don't have one of the top two or three records in the league. Again, with Luka, there is no more, there is no one who's more clever playing at his pace. But I just feel better about putting him at the top of my MVP ballot if, one, he could play at a faster pace when the game called for it. Um, the, the beauty of where these uh, Mavericks are is that Kyrie Irving is providing that. He's playing faster. He's providing that one-two punch. And I'm not going to ding Luka for his defense because he appears to have improved at least somewhat in that category. And he's certainly no worse than James Harden or Steph Curry, both of whom have won at least one league MVP title. I, I do believe there are times when a player's impact is so great at the offensive end that we can allow them some grace at the other end. But all that, with all that, the greatest revelation for me has been Kyrie Irving. Anyone who has followed my work knows my mixed feelings about Kyrie. I have no problem acknowledging his otherworldly skills, particularly his handle and shot-creating ability. And I can separate all that from his aggrandized piety and withering blanket condescension toward the media. I wrote a piece last year about why players in the league love him while the majority of fans and media see him at best as a petulant brat. And doing the research for that piece, it softened my perspective. It made me realize, you know, why players love him is because he treats them completely different than he does media or fans. And if you haven't seen it, check it out. Let me know if if the story, that piece does the same for you as far as your opinion about Kyrie. What it what it introduced me to is the feelings that I have about him at least in part is because the way he presents himself to the public. And apparently he presents himself in a significantly different way with players. So I have to take that in in in, in mind that it's a choice that he shows us a certain version of himself versus the version that he has with the players, his fellow players. Now, still, all that said, strictly as a player, I too often felt that he channeled his off-court persona of trying too hard to show the world how smart and enlightened he was. 
On the court, it was trying too hard to show show off those crazy skills instead of simply doing what was necessary to win the game, which often doesn't require something spectacular. Sometimes it does, but sometimes the simple play is the play to make. And that's not what I've seen this season. The slow pace I mentioned that Luca plays at, Kyrie has been a nice counter to that. Attacking much more quickly and not just to get a shot for himself. His scoring average is way down. Below 20 points for the first time in a decade. And his shooting percentage has dipped. But I don't see him taking bad shots. I've seen more often than not good ones that rim out. I've seen plenty in the past. He shot a better percentage. And I've seen the shot selection that I'm like, yeah, that was not a smart path. That was not a smart shot. That was not the time to take that shot. The biggest difference has been in his playmaking. I know numbers don't tell the whole story, but his assist-to-turnover ratio is the best of his career, and his assists are at a career high. And what I've seen is him looking to pass first rather than hunt his shot. And if he can't get it or draws too much attention, then hand it off or dish it. He's being far more aggressive about getting the ball and creating shots for other people as his first intention. The playmaking has been purposeful. Driving into the lane and dragging defenders all the way under the rim and then slipping it back to Lively for an easy dunk. Previously, it would have been driving into the lane, trying to make some miraculous shot, reverse, double clutch, And then if that got bottled up, then looking to dump it off somewhere. I see him going in with the idea, you know what? I can drag these guys and I'm going to get our rookie a dunk that's going to get him playing even harder at the defensive end because he knows that if we get it back, he might have an opportunity for another easy dunk. I see him recognizing gaps and sneaking bounce passes through early on to... I remember one distinctly, Tim Hardaway Jr. on the wing for an easy jumper. Very simple pass. It's kind of a Chris Paul play. Oh, guy's open. Defense is a little lax. I know he can make that shot. Let me get it to him early. It's been a pleasant surprise and a reminder of how much fun it can be to watch Kyrie play when the view isn't muddied by outside drama. And I truly hope it can stay this way for a while that he's found some level of contentment and peace in Dallas. It's kind of a weird place to find it in my estimation for someone of Kyrie's temperament and cultural bent, but not impossible. And I guess we are certainly going to find out. All right, that does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United Recast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. In the next episode, well, as I said, the, uh, the action and the development of the league at this point in the season is fairly rapid. So I don't want to make a promise to you that is going to be outdated immediately. I will just make this promise. You will not have to wait two weeks for the next episode. I will have one ready for next week. Big chunk of the work that was keeping me from the microphone has been uh, completed. And so... I look forward to spending more time with you here. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening.
Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.